Welcome into the midweek edition here of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Colby Conway, at Colby R. Conway on Twitter. And with me, as always, Matt Sells, at The Sellsman on Twitter. So, Matt, I'm going to ask you how you're doing, but I would venture to hope that you are probably better than some of the pitchers around the league that we're going to be talking about here in a couple of minutes. I'm definitely doing better than some of the pitchers around the league. All of my limbs are working properly and are accounted for. Um, so that's that's a bonus. I also still have a job, unlike another pitcher who uh, came to an end today. Uh, not like he's still on the planet. He's just out of a job in Arizona after yelling at Wilson Contreras. Um, so, yeah. Well, and, I'm, I'm, and stinking. And stinking. He was terrible. He was the get off my yard guy and then didn't keep anybody off his yard. Um I also still have a job unlike Max Scherzer, who's probably suspended for 10 days. So I'm better than a lot of the pitchers that are out there. Not in throwing a baseball, but you know what I mean. Yeah, aside from many injuries that we've seen, I mean, Scherzer had the ejection, which I believe comes with a 10-game suspension. He's obviously yes. going to appeal it. As but we're recording- I, I highly doubt that he wins that appeal. Yeah. And I mean, as we're recording this, it's uh, Thursday afternoon. So if you are a Fernando Tatis Jr. owner, you are excited to get him back in the lineup after he – basically homered in every minor league at bat leading up to this, it seems like. So you get to get him back. But we're going to start with, I, I don't mean this in jest, and I don't mean this rudely, but recurring guest, basically friend of the program almost, and Jeffrey Springs. This yeah. is now the third straight podcast. We've talked about him. Uh, we went from, I believe it was ulnar neuritis to right. he was just kind of going to miss some starts to the IL for two months. Now it's reported he is going to get Tommy John. That's going to keep him out into 2024 or into the 2024 season. So redraft leagues, no keepers, no dynasty. You can safely drop springs. Don't even worry about him on your IL dynasty managers. You're, you're holding springs. Cause what we saw in the couple of starts that he had was absolutely electric. So uh, Matt, any long-term concern with the Tommy John surgery here for springs? I mean, it, the Tommy John is not the kiss of death that it once was for pitchers. No, it's not. Our only concern is that it certainly seems like Tampa's ra- Tampa is racking up the pitching injuries here between Baz and Glasnow and Springs. And, you know, if we want to go beyond that, Brendan McKay never was correct after Tommy John, and then I think he broke his elbow on the way back. Um, so that's our only concern, really, is what Tampa does with their pitchers on a if you can hear the background, my dog decided to drink water right as we're recording. So that's that's frustrating. Um, so that's that's our only concern. But going forward, I mean, he should make a full recovery. He'd be back some point in 2024. It's basically a year recovery at this point. And then going forward, um, I guess we'll they, – uh, did they fully announce that Taj Bradley will be in the rotation going forward or just till his next start? I mean, I they, can, they, they can say what they want. They can say what they want. I know they're going to protect him, but that arm needs to be in that rotation. Yeah, he's been spectacular. And in terms of protecting him, he threw 133-plus innings last year. So, granted, last week we spoke, or earlier this week, we spoke about how most of those were at double A. Okay, but they're still innings, right? Um, so, I would assume that with Springs now fully out of the rotation for the rest of the year, that Bradley is going to be up. So those of you that were hoping to protect him this year, like me, uh, it, we're going to have a tougher road to hoe here because he'll be there. But uh, no, no real long-term concern for Springs. 
Then it goes out saying if Bradley's available in free agency on your fantasy baseball league, go pick him up. And Stop then what you're doing. Because there's no reason he should still be available. <laughs> you should you should pause right now. Yes. Pause, then go pick up Bradley, then come back and join us for the rest of the for the rest of the okay. show here. But and then at the end of Bradley. the year, just leave the league because the people you're playing with have no clue what they're doing. That too. And then a couple of aces have not necessarily have gone down, but some injury news has popped up. So the oft-injured Jacob deGrom has wrist soreness, considered minor, they say. But, of course, everything starts off as considered minor. So take that with a grain of salt. Corbin Burns, pec strain, you guessed it, considered minor. Take that for what it's worth. And Carlos Rodon, for some, somehow, this, this is the one that I'm, I'm, it's going to kind of ruffle my feathers a little bit. Yes. Yankees are still calling this minor. Mm-hmm. How can we keep calling it minor? We are at weeks. We've now basically – we've the the injury has moved like now there's another body part that's ailing him correct like and he's going for another scan yeah for another scan he's not throwing how is this still minor that is where my question comes in because he originally it was what it it was forearm tightness right it was i think so a shoulder thing and it was something that he had dealt with last year and they weren't that concerned about it okay Okay. oh great so it was minor then too awesome Then and his back started barking. Yeah, I love that. And term. Like, well, lie. we're still not con- okay, but that means he's changing how he's throwing to avoid pain in where it originally started, and putting stress on a part that doesn't usually get as much stress. And now he's going for a CT scan, which tells you there's something more there that they would like to see what's causing the issue. Right? You don't go for scan for just general soreness you usually just take some ibuprofen or whatever and rest but yeah i tweeted out um a gif of a guy bouncing off of a ball and landing his head in the sand describing aaron boone right now because i I don't understand how it's minor man especially given all of the pitching issues that the yankees have had this year nothing can be considered minor with their pitching staff well, that's the thing. Like, it started with the the elbow, which they said the elbow is now fine. Cool. He went through a bullpen. Now it's his back. That's textbook um, overcompensating. Is it? Is what you basically talk about? That's what he did. Now, don't get me wrong. I love the term when someone has some soreness and they say it's barking. I love that term. I think it's. I just. I absolutely love it. But for Rodon, we we've got to stop with this this minor BS. It is not minor at this point. Right. We've now. It was like he was supposed to be ago. back like a week from now. I remember we did that podcast when they said they we came out with the news with Rodon and we had basically said we'll see him in May and it was no he'll be back in April he'll be fine Rodon's this beacon of health type thing because it's minor it's a minor injury he dealt with it last year you could argue we are months with this now not even weeks we just didn't get yeah, a lot of updates we, they outside don't the know season. what it is they're going for a scan to go find out what's barking like <laughs> still love that term. I mean, I love having a dog in the fight, but like not this kind of not 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 this way, right? Like, and not with someone that was a top tier investment for many fantasy managers too. Correct. Yeah. So that's it for Rodon. I'd be worried. I'm still worried. Throw out the mm-hmm. minor verbiage. It's not minor. It's nope. just. It's simply not. Um. What about with Burns and Degrom? Anything there? I mean, anything with Degrom is going to raise eyebrows given his injury history. Uh, and then Corbin Burns has the pec issue of but I don't believe it's his throwing. It's definitely not his throwing one. I don't believe. Um, So there shouldn't be one. I wouldn't necessarily say like, that's the reason for the slow start. Maybe, maybe some discomfort has kind of played a part. Um, But is there any overall concern with the Grom and or Burns? 
I'd be more concerned with DeGrom than Burns, given the injury history of DeGrom and why the Mets gave up on him, which, by the way, is hilarious because there's still no ETA for Justin Verlander getting back, the guy who was supposed to replace him. Um, I mean, the fact that it's a non-throwing arm for Burns is more comforting. Like, if you can deal with the pain and it's not affecting the way you throw a baseball, then great. Um that that's basically how it comes. Like I don't necessarily think it's serious for Degrom. It could just be that he overthrew a pitch once and it tweaked his wrist. I don't think this is going to lead to like a Rodon situation. But I I am slightly just given the injury history of Degrom, I'm more concerned with that one than than Burns. And then we've talked about forearm tightness. We hate to hear it, hate to see it. Uh, Miami's Trevor Rogers left his start uh, on Wednesday early with forearm tightness. I believe he was just under 60 pitches. He was cruising, was going to hit my over for the player prop. I was in on him for that day. Unfortunately, forearm tightness struck. I don't believe that I've seen he's been officially put on the injured list yet, but you have to assume that an injured list then is coming for a young pitcher with forearm tightness. You'd have to assume. I would agree. I think they're waiting on the test results and see what they say to determine next steps. I mean, I would imagine that it would be an IL spot. Um, but I, I, I think that's a formality at this point. So you've got to, you've got to make moves and kind of protect yourself there, especially, you know, Rogers hasn't exactly been a beacon of health the last few years either. So by the way, when he didn't hit your prop, did you complain on Twitter about the guy not hitting your prop? Cause that no. seems to be a favorite pastime of, Oh, Scherzer got ejected. Can I get my money back for a, for the strikeout prop? No. Sorry. No, I just complained at home. I complained. Don't get me wrong. I but... mean, that's – yeah, but complaining at home to, like, a paper bag is the best. Is... Well, I complained to my dog, but I guess paper well, okay. bag works too. But, okay. yeah, I hear you. But And with, with Rodgers, let's assume the IL stint. Let's say – I don't know. Let's just say he's going to miss two months. I mean, it's very early in the season. We're less than like an eighth of the way through the season, really. But Marlins right now, I, I mean, pretty much everybody's in the thick of it other than Oakland because they're basically already removed from playoff contention and have been. Also for removed weeks. from Oakland. Yeah, that, that too. That too. But the Marlins have a wealth of young talent in the yeah. minors at pitching. Any of them coming up here? Or do you think they're going to kind of wait and see how the season unfolds a little bit before maybe bringing up any of those guys and starting the clock? I would think they would bring somebody up. Now, it may not be that you see them uh, in large bet. Like, they may bring them up for, you know, a start or two and then cycle them back down and then whatnot because um, you could do that, get several different guys' exposure, depending, again, on how long Rodgers is out for. We don't 100% know. It's just mm-hmm. usually when you hear forearm tightness, it's not great. Um that being said, though, like their top, when you think of their top pitching prospects, like Jake Eater's at double A right now. Dax Fulton is technically back at double A. Um, like, you know, so they'd be jumping, they'd be jumping them a bit. They're Sixto Sanchez, who's still working his way back from a shoulder thing, seemingly like nine years ago. Um, so we, we might see a few few different guys i know they've got nick in right up right now they could call up josh simpson we're digging deeper here um because 
a lot of their top pitching guys are still kind of a level away um, from what you would expect. Like Yuri Perez, I don't think they're going to necessarily call up the guy. The guy has like one start at Double A um, this year and half a year there last year, and hasn't looked quite as dominant there as we would expect for a guy with his stuff. Yep. So we'll have to see what goes with Rogers. Again, I'm, it's more so I'm assuming at this point, as we're recording on Thursday afternoon, that it's going to be an IL stint for Rogers, but we will have to see. But as we head into the weekend here, Matt, we got to talk about some guys that we may be looking to add to our fantasy teams. And obviously when one comes in, one must go. A couple of guys that are starting to maybe enter the drop uh, realm of fantasy baseball here. So let's start with some of the guys that are playing well right now. Taylor Walls, his name's been popping off in our Discord quite a bit. I seem to be very skeptical of it. I think there's good reason for it. His batted ball profile isn't exactly overwhelming. Some parts of it are encouraging. Obviously, what he's doing now, he's not going to hold up for the whole season. Regression is going to hit him like a bag of bricks. But what do you see here with Taylor Walls? Because the only thing that I am seeing is that while he's hot, pick him up, ride him for a couple weeks. But in two months, I'm not confident that he's going to be someone that's on my fantasy baseball rosters. Am I, am I too skeptical of the 26-year-old? Um, I think it's perfectly fine to ride the hot streak in baseball, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the, it's a long enough season that we need to ride the hot streak and maximize stats no matter where they're, they're coming from. So, Walls is hot right now. He's doing basically everything for Tampa Bay. He's also playing a bunch of different spots. Like, he qualifies at, I think, second, third, and short, depending on the – um, the site you're playing on and their eligibility and your league and whatnot. So he fills a bunch of spots and with all of the injuries, why not have a guy who fills the spots? He doesn't even have to be that productive to be worth a spot given the multi-positional stuff. So I would be fine with that. By the way, we have some um, about 15 minutes ago, Kinta Maeda for the twins left the game in the third inning. Uh, he was struck on the ankle with a comebacker. They've diagnosed him with an ankle contusion, which is a bruise. Uh, he's getting x-rays now. So it doesn't seem like it's quite that serious for him, but he did leave early from that game. Yep, yep. One of those, those comebackers, it's, as long as nothing's broken and everything like that, he should be fine. Maybe, maybe I wouldn't say he misses a start. Maybe they delay it. Push him yeah, back maybe they work two. with the off days or the, you know, yeah. shift some guys around yeah. to give them an extra day. Yeah, and then when you look at a guy like Walls, too, I mean, the positional flexibility is very intriguing. I guess when it comes to me, yes, what he's doing now is fine. He's absolutely destroying left-handed pitching. I am not going to be quick to throw out his 2021 and 2022 numbers uh, because they were, I mean, they weren't horrible. But, yeah, yeah, they weren't good. I mean, sure, if you want to point to the eight homers and 10 stolen bases last year, I'll look at that 172 batting average and nearly 26% strikeout rate. So I think he's hot right now. As things cool down, I could see him just facing lefties because we all know that Tampa Bay is the king of platooning. Everybody, yes, doesn't matter. They're going to platoon. So I'm okay. I'm okay picking him up for now. Just know in probably two or three weeks when he cools off, he's probably going to be the first one I'm telling you to drop. Because that's just yeah, how it's, it's going to be. perfectly fine. Like, we've got to maximize stats from wherever we can get them from. And if you need pop or you need, you know, help in the middle infield, Taylor Walls is there. He's not terribly highly owned in most places. 
And then we talked a little bit last week on Jaron Duran. He may become a new recurring guest if we keep talking about him for a third time here. But what we've seen from Duran here, just a couple of games, so not necessarily a big sample size. Average is good. We've already gotten a stolen base, which is intriguing. But the whole thing coming up as he's progressed through the minors at the upper levels of it and into the majors is the strikeout rate. And while he's only had 13 plate appearances, we're staring down the barrel of a nearly 31% strikeout rate. So I think it's safe to say Duran has been as advertised through these first couple of games. He's going to give you speed. We know that. I asked you this question last week, kind of do it again. Can we get anything more than speed from Duran? No, he's like the reincarnation of Billy Hamilton. Like where Billy Hamilton had lights out speed, but never made enough contact to actually use it. And he strikes out too much to draw walks. So he's not getting on base that way either. And to be perfectly honest with Duran, a guy who I have been back and forth on in in fantasy and whatnot over the last few years, um, he's kind of a liability defensively too because he takes some of the weirdest routes to balls i think i've ever seen a center fielder take it's kind of like well i have speed so i can just hang out here eat a sandwich and try to catch up to the ball later like it's it's not great and when he was called up it was to get kike back into the infield instead of defensively but when he was called up he was hitting sub 200 triple a with a high strikeout rate too so the you know I'm not that confident in Jaron Duran. I mean, Duran's obviously a youngster. There's going to be a lot of talent there. And they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but Wade Miley, his name's popped up a little bit here. Switched up his pitch mix, excuse me, a little bit here, uh, bringing back his four-seam fastball usage and kind of dropping his cutter and change up a little bit. And he's slowly but surely adding in that slider a little bit more, which has been a really good uh, swing and miss pitch for him at least the last couple of years. We know what Miley is. He's a low strikeout guy. He's going to pitch to contact. He's going to try to work deep into the games and be an innings eater for whatever team he's on. That's what he's going to do. And we look, sure, his eight strikeouts against the Padres were impressive. But before that, it was the Miley that we all knew. He was fine, but he only had six strikeouts in the 11 innings pitched beforehand. To me, I'm see if you agree with me here. What we saw from Miley against San Diego is not truly who he is. He's going to have some games where he's going to get six, seven, eight strikeouts. That's going to happen. But the first two starts of the season are more or less what we're going to get more often from Miley. And his most his most valuable fantasy asset is going to be adding innings to your team's ledger. Other Correct. than that, it's all going to be a bonus if you get anything else. Correct. Uh, his career, he has 400 or so fewer strikeouts than innings pitched for his career. So that should tell you right now that it's not going to hover around the nine okay per nine because it hasn't for basically his whole career. So, you know, if you need an innings eater, who's not going to kill your ratios, that's fine. I mean, I, I have no problem with using them that way in fantasy. Not everybody has to be a strikeout dude. Um, we all need innings and solid ratios too. And something if you have if you do happen to have like a high a high strikeout arm, we talk about it with hitters. Like back in the old days, you would draft somebody that could hit for a high average and went to basically offset Joey Gallo on your Correct. team because you wanted Gallo's power. So maybe you do that with Miley here. Just be cautious. He is going to be prone to some blow-ups every now and again. So a couple of guys there to keep an eye on in free agency. Now, some other guys that are probably rostered in a good uh, number of places, but have been off to really, really slow starts. So the first one here. Jake McCarthy, when you look at what he did last year, 
very, very impressive. 99 games, eight homers. He had 23 stolen bases, hit 283 with a 342 OBP. And now this year, dare I say, the complete opposite. He's hitting a buck 54. His OBP is below 250. Minimal barrels. His average exit velocity has dropped. It's in the bottom 6% of the league. And his strikeout rate is actually lower, which is good. So I guess the optimism here is that while he's hitting 154, we're looking at like a 250 expected batting average, which is right on par from last year. I just cannot get over that average exit velocity being as low as it is. That is not overly impressive for me. So is Jake McCarthy a guy that you're willing to hold on for a little bit longer to see if you can figure it out? Or are you cutting ties now and kind of just swallowing the losses to this point? Uh, I'm going to cut ties now to be perfectly honest. uh, I was not on Jake McCarthy to begin with. Um, We did a player debate series at fantasy alarm for the draft guide. um, And I was, anti Jake McCarthy um, basically because his numbers weren't necessarily um, what I considered to be worthwhile last year. Like, yes, the actual numbers at the very basic level were very good. But if you looked at the expected stuff and if you looked at, you know, kind of more in-depth stuff, it was kind of built on a house of cards. Um and I basically said, look, uh, Arizona's got a bunch of outfield options too. So if he gets off to a slower start, they could go with some other guys in the outfield because it's not like they don't have a bunch of dudes. Obviously, Alec Thomas and Corbin Carroll weren't going to lose their spot, but they added um, you know, Kyle Lewis in the offseason. They added a guy in a trade, you know, the Varsho trade as well. Um, it was a Teoscar Hernandez, right? Or is he in, no, he's in Seattle. Who'd they add? Lord is Gurriel. Hmm. Um, so they've got a bunch of dudes who can play outfield and I, I was not that high on him. So if you have them, you can drop them. Outfielders are kind of a dime a dozen right now. And when you look, I mean, he did have the eight or the eight or so. It was eight home, eight home runs. I think I said, yeah, he had the eight home runs last year, but you look at this year. Fourth percentile hard hit rate, sixth percentile average exit velocity, 12th percent barrel rate. If he's not getting on, he can't steal. And that's his biggest right. asset to fantasy managers. Because when you look, even last year hitting 283, that expected batting average was 249. His speed's going to bail him out. But if he's not running for you, you can't have him on your team. He's basically, at, at this point, if he's not hitting, he's just, I mean, I don't want to say a more expensive Miles Straw or John Birdie, but that's pretty much what we're looking at. Yeah, and and I actually just found the piece that I wrote that I wrote up. Um, he also hit two twenty seven at home last year compared to three twenty three on the road, so he doesn't like home cooking, right? And if you looked at his baseball savant charts, basically everything but sprint speed was in blue and like really deep into the blue. So he was well below average in basically everything but sprint speed in which he was in like the 95th percentile or something. Um, And I actually comped him to John Birdie, who was basically a bench player, right? Going off as a bench player. Yes, he stole 41 bags, but the anticipation this year was that he was going to be a jack-of-all-trades bench guy who just takes advantage of speed. Um, So, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm dropping him. 
What about in Chicago? Oscar Colas was a big name coming into the year, broke camp with the team. You look at his numbers. Speaking of a guy who doesn't like home cooking, he's hitting a buck 25 at home this year compared to 313 on the road. Team is going to protect him against lefties, particularly the tough ones, and he's just one for 10 on the year. Does only have one strikeout against lefties, so he at least puts the bat on the ball. Numbers against righties, much more palatable, hitting 255. We haven't quite gotten the big time production that maybe we were expecting. He's hitting 232 with a home run and two stolen bases here. To begin the season, expected batting average is even worse, but barrel rate's fine. Hard hit isn't all that bad. Average exit velocity is a bit lower than what we wanted. So is Colas a guy that you are willing to hang on to? I know you're not willing to hang on to McCarthy anymore, but are you going to give Colas's potential and potential talent a little bit of a longer leash here to begin the season? Yeah, I will. Look, this is a product of they're not really going to play anybody over him, right? I know Jake Berger's been crushing it, but they'll find a spot in the corner infielder DH to put Jake Berger. Um, and he's not really been helped by the offense in general, right? Because we've had Yohan Moncada's been banged up. Eloy's been banged up. Tim Anderson's not there, obviously. Um, so, yeah, I think they're going to let him play. I think it's just a young slump. Like, people figured out a book on him, and now he's got to readjust, right? Because baseball is just a game of adjustments back and forth. And so, yeah, I'm fine letting him kind of cook and figure it out because he's still making decent contact. It's just not working out for him. Um, if you want to, if you're in a league that has like bi weekly moves or whatever, you can sit him for the home series and play him in the road series, <laughs> and you can do it. But I'm less concerned about his struggles in McCarthy simply because playing time's not going anywhere for him. Like, they're not going to play Gavin Sheets over him. And then in Boston, uh, Masataka Yoshida, quantity of contact, solid. Quality of contact, not very solid. Very rough start for him here. 97th percentile strikeout rate is good. He does a good job of staying at the zone, puts the bat on the ball. When he does put the bat on the ball, though, the overall numbers there are not very good. He's in the 25th percentile or worse for average exit velocity, hard hit rate, expected WOBA, expected batting average, expected slugging percentage, barrel rate. Not a great start to the season here. He obviously does have an adjustment to the major league game here coming overseas. So there's some other different wrinkles that he's kind of going through to begin the season here. To me, he's a guy you drafted him pretty high. I think you gotta you gotta ride it out. You have to ride it out at this point because he's he's going to adjust. He's going to hit for a good average. And I mean, we do have one home run and two stolen bases through 50 at bats and 60 plate appearances. So the numbers are going to come. And if he's hitting 180 and he's going to post a 317 OBP, especially if your league values OBP, you're holding on at this point. Right. So at, at what point do you start to get worried about Yoshida if, if you're not already there? I don't know if it's like if we're coming up to June and his numbers haven't gotten much better. But like, again, think about what, you know, the same things I said with Colas work with Yoshida. Think about the Red Sox offense and how many moving pieces there have already been in that offense and we're what three weeks today into the season mm -hmm. like Duvall's been out they've moved Kike all around they've had like three different second basemen they played Bobby Dahlbeck at shortstop for god's sakes um like uh, you know he's gonna adjust he did get a hit in the game earlier today uh against the twins so there's that I mean it's not like noteworthy but it's making contact you got to start digging out of a hole somewhere so 
I'm fine with you, with Yoshida. Absolutely. And there's going to be some other guys too. And if there are any questions, if you are in the discord, post them in there, be happy to answer any questions you have about adding, dropping trades, anything and everything in between. But Matt, to wrap up this final episode of the week, what is, or who I should say is going to be your favorite streamer of the weekend. So if someone out there needs some pitching help for the weekend, what's a matchup that you particularly like this weekend? So the team I'm picking on, I know was just on a little bit of a winning streak uh, there, but I'm going to play me some Tyler Wells against Detroit on, I believe he's pitching Friday. Um, yeah, Detroit's terrible. They still lead the league in strikeout rate. Tyler Wells is not a huge strikeout guy, but he's striking out guys at a decent enough clip. Uh, he's got a, a whip that's very helpful. He's got, you know, pretty solid ERA numbers. He's keeping the ball in the park for the most part. So, I think this is a pretty solid matchup for, you know, Tyler Wells, who's been a little bit, you know, under the radar. Granted, it's Baltimore and he's a starting pitcher, and we don't usually think of Baltimore starting pitchers uh, for fantasy. But against Detroit in a, in a fairly solid spot, I mean, he did a pretty good job shutting down the Rangers and the, and the you know, White Sox, and I believe the Yankees, if I'm not mistaken. Um and he's gone at least five innings in every start this year. So you got a shot for a win. He's going to strike out a decent amount of guys, and you'll be good. And we love to pick on Detroit when you also look at another team that struggles against right-handed pitching. That leads me to my streamer. I'm going to go with Peyton Battenfield of the Cleveland Guardians. He's owned in only 27% of leagues over at Fantrax. Miami's bottom five in terms of strikeout rate and WRC plus against right-handed pitching this season. And when you look at Battenfield, I know he only has eight strikeouts in 10 and two thirds innings this year, but he's got a 79th percentile whiff rate and an 84th percentile chase rate. And if those numbers stay up there, his 33rd percentile strikeout rate at the moment is going to rise. He will pitch on Sunday against the Marlins. So those are going to be your weekend streamers, Tyler Wells versus Detroit, Peyton Battenfield versus Miami. Look at guys like Taylor Walls to add to your fantasy team. If you have Jake McCarthy, Oscar Colas, and Yoshida, while you might be concerned, McCarthy might be the one to cut. Hold out hope for Oscar Colas and Masataka Yoshida. But for Matt Sells, give him a follow on Twitter at The Salesman. I'm on Twitter at Colby R. Conway, and we'll see you next week with the newest edition of the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Baseball Podcast.